Street. My poor little children, one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. I must confess that uh, that dream that I had that day has a many points turned into a nightmare. Situation here in Santa Monica, California is very fluid. You can see police here now firing tear gas into the crowd. Some people are laughing, some people are video. I feel that nonviolence is really the only way that we can follow. Because violence is just so self-defeated. A riot ends up creating minimal problems for the Negro community that have solved. You can, through violence, burn down a building, but you can't establish justice. You can murder a murderer, but you can't murder murder through violence. You can murder a hater, but you can't murder hate. And what we are trying to get rid of is hate, injustice. All of these other things that continue the long night of man's Welcome to the men's global live stream. You know, the current discussion of race and the racial divide in the country is a challenging and very emotional one, I think, uh, for everybody. And the, the most common reaction to part one of this series, I Can't Breathe, hearing, acting, and uniting, uh, that we received here at Everyman Ministries was uh, powerfully the presence of tears. Uh, received numerous messages from my black and white friends of how when they watched um, last week's presentation, uh, they, were, they were moved to tears. And, and tears reflect something inside of us is going on. Um, as Pastor Ricky Jenkins shared his story, uh, it, grip, it gripped our hearts. And when you enter into and you see the everyday cultural experience uh, of someone, a person of color, and you see the anxiety that, that overwhelms them, the suspicion. Um, setting aside the cultural and political, you just see a human being, and you enter in, you say to yourself, I don't want anybody to feel like that. And so um, it, it, it seems that uh, last week's uh, session cut through a lot of the political and cultural levels of the discussion and brought it to where it needs to be, which is to the human level. You see, it's easy, depending on who you're having a conversation with, and there are lots of conversations going on in, in most American households on this issue, um, it's easy to get into the thick brush and impassable cultural and political jungles and miss people. Uh, but what we learned last week was that when you see people uh, human beings, you move from some of that jungle and confusion to clarity. Um, and, and this week we want to address uh, another issue that we need to move from confusion to clarity and hopefully we'll see it on a human level and a spiritual level. You see, it's equally concerning and confusing to a watching world in the midst 
of the discussion that we're having on race, uh, that the most segregated hour in America is still Sunday mornings. Uh, in a society that embraces diversity in every facet, seemingly, in every dimension of life and celebrates it, uh, somehow it continues to be elusive for one group of people for whom it should be most true, and that's Christians. And when we think about the gospel, racial rec reconciliation is a gospel imperative uh, versus what? Uh, maybe a gospel consideration, right? Uh, will we be comprehensively uh, gospel-oriented or will we stay selective in terms of picking and choosing which issues as the church, as God's people, as a community of faith, uh, that we want to deal with um, when it gets hard and difficult and we, we don't deal with it? And so we're gonna ask the question today. Uh, could it be that God is allowing, not creating, but is allowing certain events to take place and, and to rise to the surface powerfully so that we can finally see a true cultural reality more clearly and respond spiritually as the body of Christ. So if you're watching this and you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, you're a member of the body of Christ, you're part of the community of faith, and you're in the middle of a situation where God wants you to respond spiritually. So in part one of this series, the focus was on hearing clearly the cultural reality and presence of racism and discuss what, what's God's heart in this and see the example of Jesus so that we can form an expression as people of faith. In part two, we're gonna look to God's word in order to see how people are directed by God to act in the face of dividing circumstances with each other. You see, the body of Christ has not just a mandate, but a golden opportunity in the midst of this uh, racial discussion, in the midst of a racial divide, again, to become comprehensively versus selectively biblical with respect to race. And here's the exciting hope. The exciting hope right now is that in the process, we can also present to a watching culture a clear picture and demonstration uh, of the gospel. So if you have a Bible, I want you to hold a couple spots. I want you to hold a spot in 1 Chronicles 15, uh, and then I want you to hold a spot in Philippians 2. Those are gonna be our two main passages. And we're gonna start in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verses one through six. And let me um, set it up for you, and then we'll read the passage. What you have, uh, going on in First Chronicles 15 is you have a nation and then you have a community of faith in that nation and then you have big issues afflicting that nation and in the midst of it you have the prophets of God helping the people of God uh, to discern what is happening and to advise the people in the midst of what would be the best spiritual response. So let me read that passage and then we're going to unpack it a little bit before we uh, move to our next friend and guest who's going to help us out. So 1 Chronicles 15 verses 1 through 6 says this, the Spirit of God came on Azariah son of Oded. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, listen to me, Asa and Judah and Benjamin. 
The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was out, was without the true God, without a priest to teach and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. In those days, it was not safe to travel about. For all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another and one city by another. Listen to this because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. And so we need to unpack that because that last phrase, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress, it points to God's sovereignty over the events that were taking place, uh, God's intention, uh, that God was the source and that God was the solution. Um, so let's unpack that and let's first address what the problem was in the nation where there were great issues afflicting the nation. As the prophets are discerning and trying to help the people of God, they're, they're stating clearly uh, that, that there is a misalignment vertically. Write that down. The problem is there's a, there's a misalignment uh, going on right here, okay? There's a problem vertically. All right, and, and then that leads us to the consequence of what that is. When there's a problem vertically, there's chaos horizontally. All right, there's strife and there's distress and there's confusion. Um, and then that, those first two points then lead to the solution that the prophet is trying to suggest is that what is needed is renewal spiritually. Right, uh, Azariah is the man of God and he's talking to leaders. He's talking to Asa and he's talking to, uh, to, to communities of faith. And he's saying to them, hey, the Lord is with you when you're with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. Um, where the temptation, the prophet knows the temptation is kind of to seek other solutions. Um, and, and that's true in our, our present situation. You can seek uh, cultural uh, and racial solutions. You can seek political solutions. Uh, you can seek governmental solutions. You can seek uh, educational decisions. But as a, as a first look, the prophet of God in this hour and the prophets of God in this hour in America are saying, hey, you know what? The solution is spiritual. We need renewal spiritually. And then uh, the next kind of point we want to unpack, and there's misalignment here, there's chaos here, what's needed is renewal here, and the distress itself. And this is really key for our discussion going forward. The distress itself is to be received directionally, where we see that if God is sovereign and God is the source of uh, what's happening, he's allowing uh, what's happening to happen, then God ultimately is the solution and, and, and God is the one that we need to turn to. And so um, the prophet is, is saying, hey, you know what, if you're, if, when you're with him, he's with you. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, in the midst of this national distress and the issues afflicting you, as a community of faith in a nation, um, 
he's gonna forsake you. And so that's what I really want us to see because if the problem, uh, if, if the problem is spiritual, the answer is not political. It's not cultural. Can those things help? 100%. There are practical things that need to get done. But what we're talking about on a human level is a change of heart. And that's what's very exciting about this moment. As I, I look on social media and I look on, on some of the discussions and conversations, I've never seen them before. And, and it's really opening people up and there's a spiritual solution. Now, in this same time uh, with God's people, God doesn't point to a political house for the solution. He points to his own house. And right now, in, uh, coming out of COVID, uh, and even in the midst of this, there's a movement called the 714 movement. And it, it's based on the passage I want to read next from 2 Chronicles 714 uh, that says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And I want us to pay attention to the first three words, if my people. So a nation that needs healing needs God's people who are called by his name, which means that their identity is in him. And because they know who they are, they know what to do. And God is saying, humble yourself, pray, seek my face, turn from your <laughs> wicked ways. Uh, and then I will hear from heaven, forgive sin, and heal the land. God doesn't turn to a political community. God turns to his people in that hour. And, and this, is, this is where we need to expand and open ourselves up to the possibility where during COVID there was distress and there was a cry for the healing of a physical distress. Right after that, on the heels of that, the George Floyd cultural moment happens. And now we're crying out for healing racially. And, and that leads us to kind of the big idea here as we move into part two. And the big idea is, write this down, healing starts with God's house. There's a nation. There's a community of faith in that nation. There's issues affect, affecting the nation. The prophets of God are searching the word of God to discern and advise God's people in the midst of this. And what the prophets of God say were saying then are true right now. We have to align ourselves vertically if we wanna eliminate the chaos horizontally and renew ourselves spiritually, become comprehensive biblically and receive the distress uh, as being allowed by God to get us to, to be healed as his people, black and white, all tribes, all Asian, all nations. So healing starts with God's house. That's the big idea for today's study. And uh, to help us with that, uh, I've invited one of my friends. He's a wonderful dude. Uh, he's the pastor of St. Paul Missionary Baptist Church in Memphis, uh, in Memphis, his name is Eric Lee. Eric was an amazing athlete. Uh, he played uh, Division I basketball, uh, played professional basketball, and uh, then God called him to uh, the ministry. Um, I preached uh, in his church and uh, have done a Dangerous Good conference with him. Um, and when this moment arrived and we were gonna do this series, I wanted a, uh, Pastor Eric to help me out 
and uh, I asked him to, to address some issues. And right now I want you to listen to him talk about how healing can start with God's house. Listen in. Well, Kenny, if I could see white America do one thing meaningful in this moment, um, I think that would be um, be a good neighbor. Really be a good neighbor. Be the neighbor that Christ described in Luke chapter 10 in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Be that kind of neighbor um, that saw a brother that was injured, that was hurting, and he took the time to stop and show compassion to care for that brother to understand the situation that that brother was in. But he didn't stop there. He took another step and took the brother to an inn and stayed with him to make sure that he was okay. And even though he had to go his own way, he left something with the innkeeper that would cover the brother until he was able to come back. Be that kind of neighbor. See, what Christ was really dealing with there was a lawyer who was challenging him and testing him about how to obtain eternal life. And the answer was to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And you know, that's interesting because what Christ was really calling them to was a vertical and horizontal relationship. He was saying, if you're going to be a good neighbor, if you say you love God, then you're going to have to love your neighbor as well. See, it's time now for your horizontal relationship to reflect your vertical relationship. Be like the Good Samaritan. Don't identify your neighbor by where he lives. Don't identify your neighbor by how he looks. Don't identify your neighbor by where he's from. Identify your neighbor with love. And then show us that love. You know, there were two other people that were mentioned in that parable besides the Good Samaritan. That chapter talks about a priest and a Levite that both passed by this brother that had been left for dead. A priest and a Levite that was on the same road he was on. Uh, saw him, avoided him, and did absolutely nothing to help him. Now, 
I don't know whether they were coming from the temple, um, serving and worshiping, or uh, maybe they were going to head that direction. I, I'm not sure about that. But how can you be a worshiper and servant of God and miss the message of God? See, the message of God is love. That's, that's his message. That's what he's all about. He's driven by love. See, John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And see, when you look at that word, so, you know, we have a tendency to think of quantity. But that word, so, is all about quality. God so loved the world that he did this. He gave his very best, the highest quality possible. He gave his son, Jesus Christ. But it was his love for his children that drove him to give his son as a sacrifice to us. His love made him do something so that he can have a right relationship with us. He simply didn't pass by us and dismiss us. And so it bothers me that the priest and the Levite worshipers and servants of God could pass by someone in this kind of condition and don't say a word. Don't do anything that troubled me. That really troubles me. Here's what's troubling about the Levite and the priests. They would call themselves religious but religion and being non-responsive don't mix. They can't exist together. You can't be religious and non-responsive because the Word of God tells us that faith without works, they're dead. It's our responsibility. It's expected of us to do something in times like these. And the thing that we have to do, we have to respond. I know that it is strange ground. I know it's something that you're not accustomed to dealing with. I know it's something that you're not accustomed to addressing. And so it's easy to pass by it on a Sunday morning, the same way the priest and the Levite did. But that's not what God has called you to do. When you get to the end of that parable in Luke chapter 10, when Christ asked the question to the lawyer, who was the neighbor? The lawyer said, the one that showed compassion. Christ said to the lawyer, go and do likewise. He gave a command, a mandate to respond to these type of situations. We have to, you have to 
respond. We need an awakening in the body of Christ. It's time to wake up. I mean, Dr. Martin Luther King said this. He said, the most segregated hour in this country is the 11 o'clock hour on a Sunday morning. We are preaching the same Jesus. We are talking about the same God and his unconditional love for us. We are talking about, preaching about the power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We're saying the same things, but yet we're heading in two different directions. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for the body of Christ to come together in unity. It's time for us to find harmony. You know, diversity in the body is good, but there should never be hatred for one another in the body. You know, how, how can we say we love God who we haven't seen, but then can't love a brother who we see every day? You know, how could that be? It's time to love. It's time to treat each other with dignity. Time to treat each other with respect. You know, I mean, Christ took Peter, James, and John with him uh, when he went to pray. And he said this, just watch, just, just stay here and watch as I go a little bit farther. And he came back and found them sleeping. And that's where we are right now. We're asleep. We don't, we, 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 we're not addressing this issue as a body, as one body in Christ, if the church would stand up the way it's supposed to, together, not divided, together, things will change. So there needs to be a Christian awakening. That's, that's first and, 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 and foremost. It's time for us to wake up. Uh, it's an issue, it's a problem that has to be addressed. What we all just heard is a prophetic word from a prophet of God, a man of God in the midst of uh, a nation where there's an issue afflicting that nation and he's discerning uh, what God's heart is and he just delivered God's heart. I loved how Pastor Eric said, uh, God so loved the world and he talked about how um, it's about quality, the highest quality love, the love of God, uh, where his love moved him to do something. His love moved him to, to send Jesus. Uh, and I, I loved how um, he talked about how can we love a God who we do not see and not love a brother who we see Every, every day and the prophetic call to the body of Christ. 
that it, that this is of God and it's a it's a call to wake up and to come together uh, and to show the world uh, exactly what the gospel and God's love is is all about. Now, uh, what we're experiencing, we saw in the Old Testament. This isn't. This isn't a new thing. Nations under distress. Uh, even in the first century, in the early church, uh, there was division among Christians. And the prophets of God were speaking into uh, that division. And I want to go to a passage of scripture that really goes to that. And it's in Philippians uh, chapter 2. And the context is uh, Christians divided. And I want you to listen very closely. Uh, to the Word of God and let it strike your heart. Just listen with your spirit right now uh, to Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 8. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships, with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, of a servant being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. I love that passage because what it, what it highlights is, is that forces around us are trying to create division uh, among us, cultural forces. And the call to the body of Christ as a kingdom people is to transcend cultural forces and the cultural dimension and enter the kingdom dimension of living in relationship with God and relationship with one another, and that brings uh, glory to God. But what I love about this passage is that it's centered in what we experience in our relationship with Christ. And so let's unpack and apply uh, this prophetic word along with Pastor Eric's prophetic word to God's people and uh, see if we can be the people that God calls us to be. First thing we want to look at is that God's people give away what they have received. You see in this passage, Paul's appeal there, he says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, there's an assumption there. It's, it's a logical and, and, and right assumption that he's making, which is if you're united with Christ, you're an encouraged person, All right? You're an encouraged person, the encouragement of having our sins forgiven, uh, the encouragement of now discovering our identity and our purpose for living, our, the encouragement of having a home in heaven, all of the spiritual blessings that come from being united with Christ. And, and, and the Apostle Paul starts off that way uh, because he's having people think about, wow, 
being united with Christ, that brings a lot of encouragement because he is going to ask them to give away the exact things that they received from Jesus. And Jesus would do this. He would say, love one another as I have loved you. He says in Matthew chapter 10, verse eight, freely you have received, freely give. Do you get the picture? Where God's expectation is, hey, you're in relationship with me and I expect what you receive from me, you're gonna give uh, to your brothers and sisters. And this is how Paul uh, starts this off. You see, united, when people are united with Christ in the midst of division, uh, the appeal right now, as it was in Paul's time, the appeal is your most powerful connection. If your most powerful connection is Jesus, that's where you get your direction in the midst of division. So here's the question. Are you united with Christ? And if you are, what have you received from Christ? And then whatever you've received, you give away. Now, can we just talk about the process of that? We went, biblically, according to God's word, from being an enemy to a reconciled friend because of Jesus. That's what we've received. And so racial reconciliation is a gospel imperative. The second thing we learn uh, after giving away, God's people giving away what we receive, that's what it should look like right now. We should be giving away what Jesus has given to us. The second thing is that God's people unite around God's heart and purposes. The, the passage goes on and it says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. You see, it brings joy to the prophet of God in this moment of division as he's coaching God's people to reconciliation that we're just to be like-minded. Did you hear Pastor Eric just say, we're preaching the same Jesus. We're talking about uh, the, the same gospel. We're saying the same things. We're, 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 we have the same uh, faith and there's that appeal. Man, don't you think as uh, the father of his children, that when you see your children getting along, that, that brings joy to the heart of, of the father. And again, we go back to the heart of God and the purposes of God, where that's our rooting, where the people of God first, our tribes come second. Tribe is important. Where I come from is important to me. Where you come from is important to you. But our tribe is second to our being a part of the family of God. You know, Jesus, uh, in his final prayer for us, um, he asked for something very specific. These were his final words on earth, praying for us before he went to the cross and was crucified and was resurrected. Th listen to the words uh, of Jesus. He says this in John 17 verses 20 to 23. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, meaning the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. That's you and I in this moment right now. Jesus continues and he says, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe 
that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, I said this before, that racial reconciliation in the body of Christ is not a gospel consideration, it is a gospel imperative. And those words of Jesus uh, support the idea that the, the gospel imperative uh, and the message of God's love to a watching world uh, is, that, is that we're one. Him in us and us connected to each other so that the world will believe that you send me. What a golden opportunity we have in the body of Christ Right? to give away individually what we've received from Jesus. And then as God's people, what does it look like right now in this moment? It's, it's God's people uniting around God's heart and purposes. So we can, with confidence, we don't have to run from this discussion, we're running to it in faith. And I loved how Pastor Eric said, you know, it's, it may feel a little strange. Yeah, because it's gonna take some faith. But for every person right now who's a little trepidatious, Entering into the discussion, don't, God's there. It's the heart of Jesus that we be one as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one so that we, this, this moment is gonna bring about a more complete unity in the body of Christ and be a witness to the world. The world will know that there's something else going on there with God's people. So we give away what we received, that's what it looks like right now. God's people right now need to unite around God's heart and purposes for the body of Christ. Third, God's people need to look to the interests of others versus self. Uh, it's, it's really interesting uh, in, in this moment how uh, we can self-protect our positions, we can self-preserve our political philosophies, we could, but that doesn't help at all for us in our connection with one another. It's hard to connect interpersonally with one another and come together and reconcile when we're protecting uh, a, a position. And that's where Paul goes on in the passage and he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of, of others. Um, in a lot of my discussions, I've been hearing people just say, you know what? I watched last week, man, I need to walk in another person's shoes. Or I had such a blind spot, I never knew. Some people for the first time were just going, man, I didn't know that was the cultural experience of black men in America. And, and that's okay. Now you can take that, what you've seen, the cultural reality, and you can process it spiritually and you can enter in and connect because there's so much emotion that's going on right now. Uh, but cultural and political discussion many times creates more distance in a moment of emotion than closeness. And what the Bible calls us to do is to kind of set ourselves aside and to enter in and, and to really look to the interests and emotions and, and experiences of others, right? You can't get close in a community while you're protecting uh, a, a position. So. Um, the Bible very clearly says that we gotta look out for the interests of others. Um, Jesus talked about 
this whole idea of kind of leaving the safety of our position and going to um, the one that is needing attention uh, in a given moment. Uh, he said this in Matthew chapter 18, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he's happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. Now, question, was it that the 99 were not important or didn't matter? Absolutely not. But in that moment, the shepherd leaves the 99 who are definitely important and he goes to the one. You know, my experience uh, since the George Floyd incident uh, and murder uh, has been uh, both bitter and sweet. Um, it's been bitter because of the catalyst and what happened on the streets of Minneapolis. But you know what? It has been sweet to just um, leave my position and, um, and my world and enter into the world of some of my friends and their response being tears. Uh, that's been the sweet thing uh, in this moment where, um, yeah, it's bitter, but then in the midst of the bitterness, there's a sweetness. And that's what I'm praying for every single person watching this live stream, that I think we're a little bitter over watching what happened in that injustice. Doesn't matter if you're black or white, you watch that any person of conscience can't look at that and not be mad and sad and angry and bitter that that, that could still happen. Disgusting. However, there is a, a sweetness in the midst of this adversity if we can set ourselves aside for a minute and, and consider others more important than ourselves, look out for their interests, leave, our, leave the safety of, of, of our, our situation and go to the one who's hurting. God's people look to the interests of others versus self in the midst of division in the body of Christ. So we're gonna give away right now what we've received from Christ. We're gonna unite around God's heart and God's purposes, be like-minded and give the Father joy. And we're gonna look to the one. We're gonna go to the one. Do you have someone in your life that you need to go to? You know, it could be, and see the human aspect of it. Could be, could be a law enforcement officer. You know, could be, um, it could be a black friend. Uh, could be a white friend who's struggling to process what's, what's going on. And in the midst of the bitter, can we discover the sweetness and presence of God with each other and transform and bring him glory and come together and reconcile? You know how else it looks like uh, in the body of Christ? The next point that, that Paul makes is that, that unity looks like God's people letting go of positions to lay hold of relationships. We let go of positions to get hold of relationships, and that's what Jesus did. Um, we see in this passage where Jesus, uh, it describes the mindset of Christ Jesus. It says this in Philippians, it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset uh, of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. 
right? So you see Jesus uh, having the position of God, uh, and he could hold to it, but he let go uh, of it. Um, what I love about the rest of that verse, which isn't uh, in the notes, if you downloaded the notes, um, but it says, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient uh, to death. Jesus left his position and he entered the mess. He left where he was and the comfort of where he was and he entered our brokenness to make us reconciled, fully reconciled members of God's family from being an enemy. You see, that's why um, racial reconciliation is a gospel imperative. It's the model of Jesus. And what Jesus models for us is meant for us in the body of Christ. Jesus let go of his position to lay hold of us. What does Jesus want us to do? Um, he wants us to let go of positions and ideas and thoughts and patterns of thinking maybe that we have hold, held on to that have given us kind of comfort and possibly an advantage to lay hold of people and to lay hold of relationships. You know, Jesus modeled this with his disciples and followers. And I think one of the best pictures of that is in, is in Luke 22 where Jesus is putting culture and the way of being and believing and behaving culturally and he's juxtaposing that to a way of being and believing and behaving as a man of God. And we pick up the story in Luke 22 verse 24. Um, Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who exercise authority over them called themselves benefactors. There's a position. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules, listen, like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? And here's, here's the drop the mic line. But I am among you as one who serves. You see what Jesus is doing to the disciples? He's like, hey, look, in the midst of this culture that you're in right now, I don't want you to be like the culture. I don't want you to be um, a part of the broken male culture of your time uh, where you sit at a table and other people serve you. I want you to break the rules of that. And I want you to be among people serving people, all right? So you see there's broken male culture of the time. Jesus is saying, you're a kingdom man, you're a disciple of mine, you're gonna break the rules of broken culture, and guess what? You're in faith, you're gonna go against maybe what you've grown up with your whole life. And you're gonna love and serve people, and that is how you become great in the kingdom of God. So when we look at this moment, and we see this division happening among God's people. You have a prophet of God, his name is Paul, and he's saying, you know what, God's people? We're gonna come together, and you're gonna give away, because you're united with Christ, you're gonna give away what he has given you, 
Secondly, you're gonna unite around God's heart and purposes, all right? You're gonna make God's joy complete, make my joy complete, and then he says, then you're gonna look to the interests of others versus self, and then you're gonna let go of whatever positions and ways of acting culturally you might have had, change the mindset and become like Jesus. This is the gospel. You're gonna leave your position and you're gonna enter the mess and you're gonna break some rules. And that's what I loved about what, what Pastor Eric shared. He said, you know what? This is gonna be, in other words, you're gonna plow some new ground. And I think that's what God is calling us right now to do, to plow some new ground. You know, dark times create the context for bright lights. Now, you see a light the most clearly when it's super dark out. And I believe that God is allowing these situations, uh, these dark times, whether it's COVID and then on the heels of COVID, the murder of George Floyd, to get us into some spaces where there is distress and where we have to then self-reflect as individuals and as the people of God and as the church of God in this moment and we have to go, you know what? The solution is God. I have to turn to God. You know, there are lots of surveys out right now that, that show that these times, this moment is a wake-up call for one in two Americans for their vertical relationship because there's chaos here and what are they doing? They're like, okay, I need to get this right. I need to renew myself spiritually. And they're perceiving the distress, the stresses that are afflicting them as, man, this is a call to spiritual renewal. They're taking it directionally. And that's that's the word of the Lord uh, to us this morning. Because we can never solve the racial until we solve the spiritual. It's it's an issue in here. We can react, and but reactions are never solutions, right? The solution is changed heart, changed character, changed conduct by the love of God and the spirit of God in people, particularly in the body of Christ. Paul rounds out his discussion in Philippians chapter two in this section, verses 14 to 16. Listen to what he says in the context of how dark times create bright lights and an opportunity to be seen. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. A lot of arguing going on right now. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. I love that. He's speaking to them as the people of God. And he's saying, you know what? As the people of God, there's cultural responses and cultural reactions and selfish responses and selfish reactions uh, and self-protection and self-preservation. He says, but guess what? You're going to act differently in this situation. You're not going to participate in the same way. Um, you're going to shine and people are going to notice. How are we going to do that? We're going to hold firmly to the word of life. And this morning we have received a powerful word directly from scripture, from a prophet of God, Pastor Eric Lee. And as we kind of close here, I want to just share one of the vignettes that, that I've, I saw this week on social media, I was watching uh, Dr. Tony Evans, the senior pastor, founder of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas. He was in the basement of his house or he was in a room of his house and he was talking with his grandsons. And Dr. Evans was, was talking about how um, he was a chauffeur 
uh, as a young man for a Jewish family in a white uh, neighborhood. And as he was driving to his job to pick up uh, the children of, of this family as a chauffeur, uh, he got pulled over by a white policeman. And uh, it, it's a very common experience um, where they pull over, questioned, what are you doing in this neighborhood? And, and he held Dr. Evans for quite a long time. And Dr. Evans was, uh, w was trained to keep his hands on the steering wheel and, and to be respectful and not to escalate uh, the situation and to, um, and to comply and to show respect for the position, uh, perhaps not for the person, but for the position. And, um, and so uh, he was finally released and he, when he got to the house, of course, the, the wife in the family was, was upset because the kids were late for where they were gonna go. And, and uh, Dr. Evans explained to the wife uh, what had happened to him. Well, guess what happened? The dominoes started to fall. And the wife explained that to her husband, uh, Martin Resnick. And he was a very influential man in the community. And, Dr. and, and Martin Resnick got on the phone, called the police station. And um, the officer was, was punished severely for what he did to Dr. Evans. And then I watched Dr. Evans turn to his grandsons. And he said, you know what? He goes, in that moment, I didn't respect the person. Uh, but I, I, I decided to do things a little differently uh, the way that uh, my mom and my dad had trained me to do it. And, um, and, and I, my justice did come. And uh, he told his grandson, he said, you know, not all white people uh, are, are the same. There are people who are sensitive to the injustices going on. And he looks at his grandson and he says, so don't stereotype people. Um, instead, um, you know, treat them the way you want to be treated. And um, you know, just like you don't want people to stereotype you, uh, don't stereotype them. And, and I thought, what a great healing uh, message in the midst of some realities you know, that exist, that uh, came to the surface as, as the body of Christ. You know, we gotta rise above the, the big broad brushes and the labeling if we're ever gonna reconcile. And you know who needs to, to lead the charge on that? It's the people of God. And this morning we, we heard a word uh, that we're supposed to do things differently. What does it look like? We're gonna give away what we receive. We're gonna unite around God's heart and purposes. We're gonna look to the interests of others over self. And we're gonna let go in faith of some positions, maybe that in thinking that we've had to lay hold of relationships and come together as the body of Christ in this hour. I don't know exactly how it's all gonna happen and unfold, but keep talking, stay in the conversation, reach out to, to one another. Let's keep the dialogue going on this. Um, let us, let, let's, let's pursue the unity uh, that Jesus prayed for in the body of Christ, us and him, him and us, us together as one, complete unity. Let's bow our heads and let's ask that for that same thing. Father, we, we see Jesus pray to you and ask for complete unity for those who would believe in the message that the disciples brought to the world 20 centuries ago. And here we are, 20 centuries later, we're your people, we're still struggling with the same things. Jesus, you prayed for that because you knew that there would be forces in a broken world uh, that would attack the unity uh, of the body of Christ. And so Lord, in this moment, uh, we don't wanna be uh, dividers, we wanna be uniters, and we're united with you. Jesus, thank you for the encouragement that comes from being united with you. Thank you for the tenderness and compassion and fellowship of spirit. Jesus, in your name, I pray for every person that is listening uh, to my voice right now, 
Lord, that they would reflect on their relationship with you and what it means to be united with you and all the encouragement that they have personally received from you. And Lord, I pray right now for an anointing to freely give away what they have received in this moment. Jesus, you left your position of comfort with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to enter the mess, to enter the problem, and to bring reconciliation between man and God. So Jesus, we pray for you to fill us with the Holy Spirit, for your wisdom and revelation, to know you better, and as we know you better, to deliver the same encouragement, compassion, tenderness, and fellowship that we receive and experience in you with one another in the body of Christ. Lord, I'm gonna go out on a limb right now and God ask you for the least segregated time in our country, that it would be Sunday mornings, that on a functional and local and neighborhood level, that the people of God would see, would see people, not color, would see common faith, common gospel, and begin to live it out with one another and love one another as you have loved us. Can't happen without you, so we depend on you to fill us and, and to move us in love to respond like you modeled for us. Thank you that you so loved the world that you gave your only son. You gave the very best. Now, Holy Spirit, fill us so that we can give the very best, the best of God in this moment. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Well, um, this has been a wonderful time. We have one more week uh, of I Can't Breathe, hearing, acting, and uniting. And uh, if you need any help with this, contact us at Everyman Ministries. Please share uh, this live stream so that we can extend the discussion. Maybe that's the practical step of what you can do. Just say, hey, I'm a part of this discussion and send them to the link uh, for this live stream. Share it uh, because we need more uh, unity and less division. We'll see you next week.